It's the Rush Fancast. It's Steve and Jerry, as always. Jerry, what's up? Not much, Steve. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. You can find us on Twitter at Rush Fancast. Instagram, we are the Rushcast. Email us, therushcast at gmail.com. And Jerry, I usually say the bass intro is done by our good pal Lex, but today, Lex is taking a day off. He did. He requested a day off, and we said, I guess. He actually didn't request a day off. I'm just <laughs> giving him a day off. What, what, you're, what you heard at the beginning of the podcast is David King, a song called Closer to the Dave. Now, what is that, you ask, Jer? Um, what is that, Steve? I'm not going to tell you. It's a tease. Oh. It's a tease. Oh, You're okay. going to find out later in the podcast what that is. So stay tuned to find out about David King. I've got a Twitter poll for you, Jarrah, as I sometimes do. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes. A few weeks ago, we talked about signals, if you recall. I do recall. And we wondered if a lot of Rush fans jumped off the Rush train when signals was released. That's right. So I asked the Twitterverse. What do you think of keyboard era Rush, specifically the album Signals, Grace Under Pressure, Power Windows, and Hold Your Fire? Just a general, your thoughts on this era. Okay. The choices I gave were, love it, fantastic. That's choice one. That's one choice. Two, two answers in one choice. Choice two, I'm indifferent. It's okay. Okay. Choice three, I don't like it, never did. Oh, man. This is going to be hard. Now, a couple of people picked the in-between of some of those because I, you know, I could have given five choices, but I only gave three. So what do you think the breakdown was? What do you mean they picked the in-between in the, in the answer in the comments below? Well, someone said, I, I don't love it, but I'm also not indifferent. I just kind of like it. Oh, you should have. Yeah. I, I should have had four choices. Okay. Gotcha. But anyway, people had to choose love it, indifferent, or don't like it. I am... Based on the emails that I received and from what seems like the Twitter audience that we have, I'm going to say love it. Love it. 84%. Yeah. Landslide. Yep. Indifferent came in second, 13%. And don't like it, not surprisingly. I mean, our followers are Rush fans. Right. 2%. Yeah, I got a couple of emails saying that many fans consider the keyboard era to really start with power windows. Right. A couple of people said that signals didn't really qualify as the keyboard era, but you can argue either way. Yeah. Do you want to do that for the next 20 minutes? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Do you have an email for me, Jer? Oh boy, do I? Oh, I can't wait. This is from Mark Walton. Hey Mark. He says, really enjoying the podcast guys following your latest discussion of subdivisions. Cause he wrote this right after the subdivisions. Mm-hmm. About subdivisions. I get it. I hope, <laughs> I hope you'll bear with me as I relate an anecdote that for me cast the lyrics in a whole new light. Back in 1999, myself and a friend spent a week in Toronto. We visited a lot of North American cities over the years, so it was an obvious choice and it's a great place in its own right. But of course, for me, it was largely a rush pilgrimage. My mate Andy had no interest in the band, but he knew how much I loved them, so he happily tolerated me dragging him to various rush landmarks. Massey Hall. Sadly, a week too late to see Alice Cooper play there. The Ontario Legislative Building, from the cover of Moving Pictures. Their Toronto Sidewalk Star. The Danforth and Pape Intersection, and so on. So he went on a, on a whole walking tour. Yeah, I, I saw a couple of Rush things, but I didn't see all that. Wow, we have to go back there. And then he says, we also took in a Blue Jays game. But most memorable was the CN Tower. We made a point of going up there just before sunset so we could have a meal and then watch the sun go down over the city. And as dark fell, suddenly Neil's line in between the bright lights and the far unlit unknown finally made sense to me. I'd heard it a thousand times since it came out. Signals was the first studio album released after I became a fan, but only then did I fully understand what he was writing about. There below us was the brightly illuminated downtown, further out the band of suburban light, and then in the distance, blackness. The Canadian wilderness where no light shone, the far unlit unknown. It's almost impossible in this much smaller and more densely populated UK to find that sort of darkness, except maybe in parts of the Scottish Highlands. It's a moment that has stayed with me for 21 years since. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, I've actually been to the top of the CN Tower, Jar, believe it or not. Yeah? Was it at night? 
No, it was not night. So I didn't have that epiphany. It was daytime, but it's a rotating restaurant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. You're eating lunch and while you're eating, it's, it's, it rotates really slowly too. I would just hope so. You don't even really, really feel it moving. <laughs> and when you're done with lunch, you're looking at a whole different section of the city. It's, or not just the city, but yeah, far away as well. Yeah. That's cool, right? Yeah, great. So I wonder if that had, Neil had that in mind. Maybe he went to the top of the CN Tower. Right. I was always just thought it was the far, the abstract far unlit unknown, but maybe he was inspired by an, the actual far unlit unknown. Hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks for that email. We really appreciate it. So, Jared, a couple of weeks ago on the Rush Fancast, we had Jillian Marianovich on. That's true. She's the creative director of RushCon here in the United States. So we thought it might be a good idea to have the man who runs RushFest Scotland on our show. Yes, we did. And we've accomplished that. Steve Brown, founder of RushFest Scotland. Welcome to the Rush Fancast. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Well, we really appreciate it. Why don't we start by asking you your Rush origin story, Steve. When did you first hear of Rush? How did you become a fan? Ah, okay. I reckon around about 81, 82. So I'd be, uh, I don't know, 14-ish and probably quite a familiar story. It was a, a friend's big brother. He loaned me a few albums. I was more into kind of indie, new wave stuff at that at the time originally, like, uh, well, being over in the UK here, bands like The Stranglers, The Jam. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. Um, yep. But yeah, so I went up to my friends and uh, looked through his brother's LPs and um, came home with Black Sabbath's greatest hits, like the original one, you know, with a kind of mm-hmm. that lovely graveyard kind of cover on it. ACDC Back in Black, 2112, Led Zeppelin IV, and Farewell to Kings. Oh, wow. So it was a baptism of fire. That was it. <laughs> I think I, I sold all my indie albums and uh, no, I, I still, well, yeah, I have since sold and bought and sold and bought. But uh, yeah, A Farewell to Kings. It's in 2112. I mean, straight into the deep end and just A Farewell to Kings is still my favorite album of all time. Just phenomenal. So yeah, that was my baptism. And the rest is history, right? Yeah. Did you find any kind of similarities between like the, those uh, kind of punkier bands maybe and Rush? Not at the time and not with those albums, but obviously in retrospect, you know, you have the moving pictures, vital signs. Yeah, a lot of you guys will know that uh, Alex was inspired by Midge you know, from Ultravox, the Mm -hmm. lead singer, but he's also a guitarist as well. And he had quite a unique guitar tone. And I believe Alex... You know, they, they wore their influences on their sleeves. So uh, they were influenced by quite a few of the UK bands in the 80s. And if you listen to, I think it's the middle eight section of Vital Signs, you will recognise a track from the Vienna album by Ultravox. There's a track on there called All Stood Still. Check it out. Oh, wow. And it will sound very familiar. <laughs> so I'm not, in fact, I, sh- I don't know if I actually looked up um, to see what came first. But I, I think uh, I think Ultravox just pipped him at the post there. So I've got a funny feeling. I don't think anybody was ripping anybody off, in, on, <laughs> you know, on purpose. But uh, yeah, so there's a, there was crossover in the later albums after the two that I first heard. You can obviously hear the the British new wave come into Rush's sound. Yeah, and Alex uh, also wore his um, influences in his haircut on, on his head. I was going to say that. Yeah, the old flock <laughs> of seagulls haircut. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I'm kind of getting that way myself during lockdown here, guys, honestly. (laughs) So before we get into the Rush Fest, what kind of following does Rush have in Scotland? How big is Rush in Scotland? Well, every time they came to Europe, they always played Scotland. Be it uh, in the capital. I think in the early days, they were more over in the capital, in Edinburgh. Um, I think they just went for the venues that worked best for them. Um, But the past few tours, I'm trying to think... The first time I saw them was Signals Tour, which was in the UK. That was 1983. I think it was the 24th of May as well. Oh, wow. 1983. They did two nights in Edinburgh, but I only saw one. That was back in the day when probably I could only afford to go to one show or whatever, being still (laughs) at school. But every time I saw them after that was always in Glasgow, just because Glasgow had the bigger venue. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, I think it's 7,000, 8,000 capacity, and it would sell out. Every year. In fact, in 2015, Glasgow 
opened up a new stadium, which was more like a 12,000 seater. And it had actually quite good acoustics for such a big shed. And I was really hoping they would have brought R40 to Europe to play in there. Uh, you know, knowing what we know now and what we kind of knew at the time, I thought that would have been a great way to go out if they played in, well, the, the venue's called the Hydro in, in Glasgow. But no, they always played the Scottish Exhibition Centre, which was, yeah, and I, I reckon it was, if it wasn't sold out, it was very close to being sold out. So, yeah, the, the following's there, and they'd play another handful of UK gigs whenever they came across to Europe. So, yeah, I think they say themselves they, they had a big following in the UK, and they, you know, they recorded their uh, a couple of albums here in Wales. Uh, they, they quite enjoyed being here. So, yeah, there is a following in Scotland. So tell us about the beginnings of Rush Fest, Steve. How did you hatch the idea? Um, this is going back to, it would have been 2013, I play in a Rush tribute band uh, as well. I play guitar. So, yeah, this uh, Flock of Seagulls haircut might come in handy after <laughs> lockdown. Um, yeah, we were approached by Rush Yukon, which is like a European fan convention, which, well, at that time, it, it moved around the UK every year. It'd be one, one day a year fan convention in the UK. But that year, I was speaking to the organiser and he basically said they're going to stay in this venue in England forevermore. So they had their venue and basically it was never going to come to Scotland again. So that's when the light bulb went off in my head. And yeah. I thought, right, let's do one in Scotland and see how that, that goes. And yeah, it's happened every year since. So 2014 was our first one. And uh, yeah, it's been a great success. And what's like the uh, organizing principle of it? Do you have a, a certain thing you do every year or do you try to mix it up every year? We follow the same format. Um, it's just an all day of, of rush shenanigans, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we advertise it uh, well in advance. It's a one-day event. Doors usually open at 1 p.m. and it goes through to about 3 in the morning. So, uh, But all, all the main events finish about half 10, 11, so if people have to go and get trains home. But the club that we've had it in has a, a rock disco until 3 a.m. most weekends so hence people can hang around and um because that's what i found from about 2011 onwards when i was trying to go to as many rush gigs as i could it became almost a 50 50 uh mix between you know seeing the band themselves seeing the show but catching up with friends making friends and hence these uh fan conventions have been successful because uh, a chance for us like-minded folks to all meet up now am i correct that the proceeds for Rush Fest, go to charity, is that correct? Yes, it's all run by volunteers and every penny profit we make goes to, we always choose a cancer charity. So we've, we tend to stick to the same one two years in a row. So um, yeah, and to date we've raised over £50,000, which I believe is about $65,000. So that's that's a kind of sideline, but it's a kinda, it's also quite encouraging. And most years, just before we open the door, we're sit, we're kind of breaking even, so uh, you know. But I'm I'm always of the mentality: if we make five quid, it's still been worthwhile, you know. <laughs> yep. But we all we always come away with thousands, and it's like wow, the generosity on the day. Usually, you know, by by all the guys that come along. It's mainly guys. We do get we do get <laughs> the girls as well. Yeah. In fact, yes, our, our top spot. And thinking back, our, our biggest uh, contributor was a lovely lady from, from Aberdeen whose name I won't say just in case she doesn't want to be known. But yeah, so yeah, so um yeah, everybody digs deep on the day with raffles and, and auction, you know, we get prizes from SRO, signed items and um I think our best item to date was uh, a baseball that Getty donated, um, which was signed by all the guys, uh, and it was signed at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh wow. When they're being wow. done. Yeah, that was super special. We had Alan Weinrib, his his brother as our VIP that year via Skype. It was a, a Skype sort of live Skype call. And, uh, but because of the contacts, etc., they sent that across. So that raised a lot of money. And I know the guy that won it. So I keep hassling him every year to give it back. <laughs> <laughs> but he keeps telling me that he's, he's still putting the dog, still playing with it. You know? oh, <laughs> so, but yeah, every year we, um, yeah. And we, we try to any sort of big item, really unique item like that, instead of it going, to auction and for people with with lots of money it's we we kind of do a an online worldwide raffle so for for five pound or you know eight bucks uh, for every five quid donated they get allocated a number 
So uh, I know for a fact the guy that won it only put in like twenty pound, and he he walked away with the ball. You know, so but it yeah. raised about it raised about three thousand pound online. That's a great idea. So yeah, yeah, it was good. That was one of the the, the guys uh, that helped us in the past. It's either Mike Sword or Gordon Smith. I'll give the guys a name check because <laughs> everybody dips in and out and helps. You know, there's lots of people helping out all the time. So it was it was one of those guys' idea, and we've stuck with it every year. It's been a great way to raise lots of money without one person having to dip into the mortgage. So you definitely, so you definitely <laughs> ha- have a, a relationship with SRO in general. How does that work out? Yeah, well, um, my first trip to Canada in 2012. Um, I caught up with a guy called Paul Bullier, who uh, has become a great friend, and he's come across to Scotland every year for Rushfest Scotland, and he kind of knows Peggy and um, some of the, the folks that work at SRO. So through Paul, and I, I've met Peggy as well, I've been to the offices, etc. So, but I tend to sort of work through Paul um, with the connections with SRO. So they're very generous. They've been great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, they are, seem to be a very generous organization with their fans. You're like you're having a, a new convention and they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're very helpful every year. That's great. And then the guys, even Neil. Um, I know it's, it's kind of the myth that Neil always sort of stayed in the background, didn't want involved. Neil was the first to give us something special. Wow. You know, um, again, we didn't, we didn't go to him directly. It was through, in fact, the first, was it our first year or second year? One of our guys, in fact, it was Gordon Smith, one of the early guys that helped us out. He had a connection with uh, McAllen Whiskey, you know, Neil's, Neil's favourite. Mm-hmm. So through McAllen, we got to Neil. Oh, <laughs> so, <wow. yeah. laughs> so uh So we got him a, a bottle of, uh, of McAllen malt and uh, he signed it. He signed the label. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that it was obviously shipped to Neil in California who signed it. It was then shipped to us. So we had it on the day. It was the online worldwide raffle, and it was won by a, a lady in Alaska. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so it's now, in, and I don't think she's opened it yet. But uh, yeah, so and then and Neil also signed a symbol for us uh, a year or so later. That's great. Personalized to the to the winner. So oh wow yeah no so so lovely touches there. we never we don't want to hassle the guys directly you know we never we would love for them to come across but I mean as Mary said the other week there. From Rushcon, you know, no, it wouldn't be a good idea. We'd love for to see them in the. I mean, you know, yeah. There's lovely golf courses here, Alex. You know, you're well, welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah, but right. um, yeah, no, we, we respect their privacy, and uh, we're just very grateful to to have such a fan convention every year. You know, so yeah. So, did you have an event scheduled in 2020, Steve? We did, and it was our going to be our biggest yet. We're going to we spread over two days. We had um, Jacob Moon coming across from Toronto Mm -hmm. to perform for us. And two VIPs in person were coming across, Terry Brown and Hugh Syme were all set to come across. Oh, wow. Uh, So you can imagine how gutted we all were. But but health comes first, so we can't... It was still really painful when I had to make the call and, and, you know, put up the announcement that it had to be... It had to be... Basically postponed. We'll just move the move the whole weekend across to next year. So you know, touch wood, we'll all be healthy and safe to travel, and we can we can move everything across. But we did have an online event, and we still raised eight and a half thousand pound for charity. Wow! So, <laughs> so yeah, that's great. so that's without leaving the house. There's a lot to be learned. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah, we sell a lot of merch. We had, we've got a really good uh, shirt designer, a guy called Paul Tippett. He's a graphic designer by trade, and he's uh, he does a lot of rush themed shirts. Um, so he does all all our merch, and he did a really lovely Neil. We we call it our Neil shirt. So um, that we sold a lot of them, and I, again, all the profit went to charity. So most of that eight eight and a half grand was from the sale of merch. So we're, again, we're grateful to Paul for his time and talent. Everyone's doing everything for for gratis, you know. So yeah. And you're doing another great thing for charity, Steve. This coming Saturday, September 12th, would have been Neil Peart's 68th birthday. And on Saturday, you're releasing an album called Tributes, Songs for Neil, Volume 1. Tell us about that. How did this come about? Yeah, well, um, I think just, um, well, I'm, as well as playing in a Rush tribute band, that my day job is playing music. It's playing in a, a function band, weddings, pubs, clubs. I've been doing it for about 27 years. So during lockdown, 
I still can't gig. There's still no sign of things opening up in the UK for live music of any sort. So um, yeah, I've got a lot of a lot of time in my hands, and just it's just a flash of inspiration. Having organised Rush Fest Scotland for a few years, I've been in touch with quite a few tribute acts. I mentioned Jacob Moon earlier. Um, he did a live stream for us as part of our online event back in June. I was planning to go to Rush Fest Brazil this year, but that was uh, nipped in the bud, literally, just as almost was about to get on the plane and COVID hit. And uh, a couple of bands I would have seen in Brazil, Fleish and Three Snow Dogs. I'd been in touch with them already. Um, so yeah, I had already a lot of contacts with other Rush tributes and I'd heard the quality of their performances and recordings. So I just thought, yeah, let's try and put an album together. And again, all for charity. And it just all started falling into place um, quite quickly. Paul Tippett again designed the cover. And because we've been speaking to Hugh already, I actually got in touch with Hugh and Terry to give us a couple of quotes for, for liner notes. So, um, and we sent them what we had at the, as a cover at the time. And Hugh being Hugh, lovely chap, um, he came back um, with, with some lovely words and, and a couple of um, tips for, for what to do with the cover. So we made a few changes and uh, we included the fire hydrant from Signals because oh, we've got wow. a Dalmatian on there. Yeah, the cover is, is, is quite, I'm, I'm very proud of the cover. It, it's got a portrait of, of Neil done by a, a great artist friend of ours, Charlie Roy. And Paul Tippett has uh, kind of made that to look like graffiti on a wall. Yeah. With a Dalmatian sort of looking forlornly at the wall. So it's, it's a beautiful cover. And then, let's say, Hugh told us about uh, how Rush and working with Neil, they always liked a little bit of whimsy in their covers, mm -hmm. you know, so not to make it too too sort of mournful. So just having the, the red fire hydrant there really made it pop. And we were originally going to bring it out in blue vinyl because the original cover had a blue theme to it. But then once we had the hydrant in, we just thought, let's go red. And yeah. Hugh, Hugh told us that red was Neil's favourite colour. So, you know, little things like this, it all kind of tied in. Yeah, and all the bands, I just put out a couple of shouts online. Any bands want to give the, send in the tracks. And yeah, we're almost set for volume two to come out in March. Oh, great. Yeah, so it's got legs. We did a crowdfunder, so we covered our expenses right away. So because it's for charity, I would hate to, well, no one wants to be kind of out of pocket, especially in the current climate. But uh, I thought it seems to be a good enough idea and people did buy into it in advance. So, um, yeah, so we have 167 songs to choose from if you want to go through the... <laughs> I do believe that's the figure, yeah. So we, we, we could bring out 20 albums. <laughs> there could be a volume 20. Well, as long as people keep buying them, right? Keep making them, right? Well, yeah, and the, the bands are out there. I mean, Three Snow Dogs, when I, when I just asked, it, when they got in touch, I said, well, let us know what tracks you've got. And then I can start working, you know, putting a sort of set list together. And uh, Three Snow Dogs have actually recorded the entire Counterparts album. Wow. You know, so I mean, that, that's dedication for you. Yeah. You know, it's not like just in the odd track here and there, maybe the odd live track. They went in the studio and recorded the entire Counterparts album. So, yeah, wow. there's lots of really interesting stuff out there. Wow. That was what I was going to ask you was, how was the song selection process for the album? Did you have a determining factor? Did you want to include some songs over other songs? Did you want it to flow in a certain way? Well, initially, it was just to see what was out there. What would come, who was up for it, and what did they have? And then, yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at the track list just now, trying to remember how and why. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Jacob's subdivisions, that was a kind of no-brainer. Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of the guys and girls out there would, would know Jacob from his subdivisions rooftop video from 2008 what a great interpretation of that song ah phenomenal and he's been such a great guy through this whole the whole process you know when we first got in touch with him months ago and uh he's been really helpful so that was a, a given and he's also given us another couple for future volumes steve why, why don't we play a little bit of that yeah so our listeners can hear some of this song i think that'd be great excellent so this is jacob moon subdivisions Seems 
That is just phenomenal, Steve. Yeah, I'm just amazed that it's all come together. It's great. Why don't we play Three Snow Dogs next, since you mentioned them. They did, okay. you said, counterparts in its entirety, and on this particular album, we've got Nobody's Hero. Yep. I knew he was different in his sexuality. I went to his parties as a straight minority. He never seemed a threat to my masculinity. Only introduced me to a wider reality Why don't you tell us a little bit about this band? Where are they from, Steve? Ah, okay, Three Snow Dogs. Uh, they were going to be the headlining band uh, in Rush Fest Brazil this year. So that's how I found out about them. They are from, I hope I pronounced this right, Kirishima, which is the, the, the town where Rush Fest Brazil actually takes place. So these guys were local to Rush Fest Brazil. Three-piece, sounding phenomenal. And I know, I, know, I know the guys won't mind me saying this, but they did want to send me different mixes. They wanted to touch things up a little bit more before mm-hmm. the final album version. So uh, they cut it fine. Let's put it that way. <laughs> We'd already kind of mixed and mastered uh, the album, ready to go off for production. Uh, and uh, Gilson came back and said, Steve, can we just make one, we've made one final change. Can we get another <laughs> version? Yeah, okay, guys, if you're quick. So yeah, they're very particular. Yeah, so that's how I don't know much more about them apart from from Brazil, three piece, and they sound phenomenal. Now, this next band is one that Jerry and I think is just phenomenal. Fleesh. Yeah. And, and I've heard their entire album. It's great. Likewise, yeah. They they've uh, again Brazilian. They are from Rio. We were again supposed to see them this year, so it's uh, it's a sore point. But uh, hopefully, that's all going on again. They've just taken the whole festival. And moving it to March next year, so fingers crossed that's going to go ahead. But yeah, um, like you, I checked out their whole album and it's phenomenal. I actually wanted to put on their version of Here Again, just because it's such a, a deep cut. And uh, Gabby, the, the the female singer, just brings a whole new element to the the songs, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Why don't we listen to something from them before we continue? This is the Fleesh version of The Garden. 
Touches on so many things about life in general. Yeah, and she she nails it. Yeah, every single word in that song. It's amazing. Yeah, she's got such a soulful voice, and it's just with all the you know other Rush tributes. You know, everyone's trying to find a Getty, which is the Holy Grail. It's never going. You know, there can be only one. To use a the Scottish Highlander film <laughs> quote, there can be only one, and there is, and his name's Getty. But um, uh. There are a few out there that 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 uh, you know f- phenomenal musicians, um, but then Fleish have just gone with Gabby and f- yeah, phenomenal. So please check out their album. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It is called The Next Hemisphere. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Just an album of Rush covers. And as I, I mentioned earlier, originally I just love their version. I love the whole album, but I love their version of Here Again. But it was Paul Tippett when it came to do the artwork, and I sent him the track list. He went. Mm, maybe that's a bit deep for this volume. <laughs> you know, maybe leave that for a later one. And he said, and I, I was thinking about leaving the garden for a later one because you know that's the the, the kind of the heavier track. But no, it works, and especially where we've got it on the album, it just comes after the trees, and that actually finishes with some sort of uh, garden noises. You know, sort of birds twittering and bees buzzing, and it segues straight into the garden. So that kind of yeah. So when it came to choosing the tracks and the running order, things kind of naturally kind of fell in that you know it just kind of made sense but i'm sure people will have their own opinions on <laughs> the running order but uh yeah yeah so it came down to sort of recording quality and uh yeah we brought it out in vinyl as well but to save kind of expense that it's only the first eight tracks made the made the cut for the vinyl so you know that was a deciding factor as well so uh those are all studio cuts and the uh the rest are kind of a mixture of live and a couple of the studio tracks why don't we check out a couple more this band I've heard of is Lotus Land from the United States, Steve? They are indeed. I think they're spread over. I think one is in Rhode Island, another one's in Maryland. I could be wrong. But uh, yeah, I first saw them when I was in Toronto at, at Rushcon in 2012. They were the, the, the main headlining band and uh, they blew me away. So I, I've kind of known those guys for, for about eight years now. Well, let's listen to their version of Cinderella Man.
This version of Cinderella Man is just on fire, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The tone that they get on the guitar is perfect, too. I love it. Yep. Well, I believe he uses uh, the Hughes and Kettner triamp, Bob Bob Chatrand, I believe is his surname, the guitarist. Um, let's say I saw the guys in 2012, and I've seen videos since. And uh, yeah, so that was the, the kind of amp that uh, Alex used for the last few tours, oh. as well as others. But he, I think it's Snakes and Arrows was when he first used Hughes and Kettner. Um, so yeah, so Bob has got the tone. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So one more, Steve. This one Jerry and I were talking about before we started talking to you. The name of the band is Moving Pictures, and it's their version of After Image. Suddenly you were gone From all the lives you left your mark upon I remember How we talked and drank into the misty dawn I hear the voices We ran by the water on the wet summer lawn I see the footprints I remember I feel the way you I just think this is phenomenal. It's just such a, a different take on such a fabulous song. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, but that's my band. <laughs> oh, is it really? It's great. <laughs> really? Didn't I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Honestly? Really? You guys haven't done your homework. We didn't do our homework. <laughs> we are unprepared all the time. That is, but that's great. I've just hit the jackpot. <laughs> Wait till I tell the guys. Yo. Well, yeah, we, we, um, the way that came about, we we lost uh, a friend, a good friend, who's, uh, believe it or not, there is another Rush tribute band in Scotland called Clockwork Angels. Uh, they're a five-piece. Their keyboard player, uh, John Ed, tragically passed away in November last year. So we 
myself and our Getty, uh, John Power, um, we thought of doing, uh, you know, because of, because of the, the nature of the lyrics, to me, After Image always lent itself to being, you know, I'd love, always wanted to hear it as a kind of ballad, you know. So, uh, so we gave it that treatment. So John, phenomenal musician, he's doing all the keyboards. Um, we gigged it a couple of times just before COVID. And uh, in fact, I think the first time we gigged it was we were we had a gig in Aberdeen about a week after we'd all heard about Neil passing. So it was it was doubly poignant because let's say the original idea was written for our friend John that passed away. And then when Neil's passing, it was like, OK. But when we gigged it, it was just purely piano, vocals and... I was doing some atmospheric guitar, um, but then when it came to the album, um, it's a it's a lockdown recording. We're all just recording that in our house. The drummer's got his kit setting up in his living room. Wow! You know, so it's all yeah. We did it. We've got a really good engineer, um, our full time sound engineer. So he went to to our drummer Marks and mic'd up his kit and and Chris uh, mixed that track for us. They ended up being fifty five tracks to mix, and we're all trying to do it remotely. So yeah. Because um, John went to town with the string section. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've got a full, we have the moving pictures uh, string ensemble on there. And it's all like John and his magic fingers. But um, yeah, he's done a wonderful arrangement. And then um, without, well, I will give the game away. So it starts off as a ballad and we kind of speed up with a bit of Gilmore-esque atmospheric guitars. And then we, we bang straight into to the, the real version for the, for the final section. I was not expecting that when I heard it. I was like, oh, this is going to be a ballad. It's great from the beginning of the ballad. I'm like, wow, because it really brings out the emotional context of the song, especially the line, you know, that that is just one of the most perfect lines Neil has ever written. I feel the way you would. That's the one. Yep, absolutely. I mean, entire books have been written about loss, and he says everything you need to know in one line. Absolutely. And so I'm like, I'm like the whole, I'm like, this is going to be great, the ballad, the whole thing. But then... Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. it starts taking off at the end. I was surprised and elated. Well, thanks to lockdown, that's why we thought we've got time to work. In the- well, we don't. We've got a deadline, but let's get our act together and really. So it was. It was quite frustrating. There was a lot of not arguments, but we're all. I think we all suffered a bit of imposter syndrome. Have you heard of that? Do you know imposter oh, yeah. syndrome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, we experience it every day. Right now, we're experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't. I mean, to tell the listeners, we're doing this on Zoom, and I'm looking at myself in the in, on the screen here, and I don't recognize this guy. You know, I'm like, who's who's doing the t- what's going on? You know, I've never had a beard in my life, and and you know, flock of seagulls. I've got the full nest going on. Yeah. Yeah. So all that's kind of going on, and uh, we're actually going to meet up uh, this coming weekend for our first rehearsal together. Uh, the last time we saw each other was when we gigged together in Glasgow in February. So, um, yeah, so the whole imposter syndrome thing, you know, recording something, listening back, being super critical, overly critical. And then once we played that track to a few close friends, we did ask them, you know, please give us your real opinion. Have we, are we really blowing things here by, you know, is this blasphemy? What have we done to, right. to you know, such a great song? But yeah, it's and you thank you guys for for saying that, not knowing it was us. So yeah, <laughs> it's good that we didn't do our homework. Good, yes, <laughs> it's, it, yeah, peace. <laughs> and it's just a perfect song to include on this first tribute to Neil. I mean, you have to have After Image on here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, the other guys do well as we mentioned. Fleish have uh, Gabby on vocals. Jacob does Jacob's thing. Uh, you know, when he's live, it's all loopers and samples that he's playing live. Um, and most of the bands do what what we all do most of the time. You know, Moving Pictures is a regular tribute. We try and play the songs as close as we can to the originals. But with that one, um, we had we had fun with it. And yeah, we still want to go back and redo it, though, because we'd like to do it in a proper studio. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we're, we're very happy with the way it turned out. Now, you're splitting the proceeds for this album between two charities, right? And one of those is the Glioblastoma Foundation. Yeah, it's, um, as I mentioned earlier, Rushfest Scotland, we tend to choose the same charity for two years. So this year and next, uh, our chosen charity was Cancer Support Scotland. But with this album being so particular for Neil, we'd heard about the Glioblastoma Foundation Neil Peart Research Award. So the, the foundation itself is based in the USA. So I contacted them and 
told them what we're all about, and obviously they're, they're very happy for for us to to make any contributions. So yeah, so the all profits are going to be split equally between those two charities. And Steve, tell us about the event you have coming up on Saturday. So on the twelfth of September, we will be having another live online event from our Rush Fest Scotland Facebook page. So if anybody would like to go to Facebook and just search for Rush Fest Scotland, uh, like our page, and from 7pm UK time, uh, I believe we are five hours ahead of East Coast America, we're going to run for about two or three hours, and uh, we'll do a playthrough of the whole album with videos from each band, um, and that's the official release date of the album. And how can people get this, this great album? Um, yeah, well, copies are available from our main website, which is all the W's and rushfestscotland.co.uk. So uh, it doesn't matter, uppercase, lowercase. This is rushfestscotland.co.uk. And you'll see links in there and, and all our lovely merch. And, uh, and there's a page on the website dedicated to Songs for Neil. So, Jerry, I, I think next year we may have to go to Scotland. What do you think? Yeah, sure. That would be phenomenal. It would be. Yeah, I'm sure I could get you a couple of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Do you, do you know the dates yet, Steve? <sighs> yeah, we're looking at, uh, it's in May 21 and 22. So, uh, like we say, we're spreading over two dates uh, this year next. We've moved to a bigger venue uh, in Glasgow, and uh, on the Friday night, we were having an evening with Syme, Brune, and Moon. So it was going to be uh, a live, uh, obviously the guys are coming over, so it's going to be a live chat on stage with Terry Brown and uh, Hugh Syme. Oh, nice. Uh, with some mu- and some music from Jacob. And then Saturday on the 22nd was going to be our usual all-day event in Glasgow. So yeah, you guys are very welcome. Love to have you. Anybody, everyone's welcome. There are still some tickets available. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we we sold out this year, but some you know because of COVID, uh, we offered everybody refunds if they wanted them. Someone some of them did take refunds. So so, uh, but yeah, if if it goes through the roof again, we'll just change venue. So uh, yeah, um, we'd love to have you. Over. That'd be great. So before we go, we thought it would be cool to use one of the tracks on the album for the open and close of the podcast, and we picked this uh, instrumental track called "Closer to the Dave." Tell us about this one. Oh, that is phenomenal. You guys are so good. <laughs> uh, my friend, David King. Oh, he's going to be over the, over the Jacob. <laughs> um, yeah, well, David King, um, I've only known him through Rush um, for about the past eight years or so since I started playing with Moving Pictures. He's always come along to, to all of our gigs and then every Rush Fest Scotland. He's a phenomenal guitarist. Um, and... During lockdown, he was putting up some just solo instrumental videos of him playing some original tunes. He's got two or three albums out of original material, and he's just such a such a tasty guitarist. He knows he has the tone. He has got just a beautiful sound. It's mainly closer to the heart, but as you'll hear, there's elements of other songs in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, and Dave's also in a phenomenal uh, prog original prog band called Abel Gans. So I would ask everyone to check out Abel Gans. They've just got a new album out. And um, so, yeah, David King. It's his instrumental version of Closer to the Heart with a couple of twists, so hence Closer to the Dave. Nice, <laughs> nice. So you heard that at the beginning of the podcast. We'll play, we'll play more of it at the end. Steve Brown, thank you so much. Founder of Rush Fest Scotland. Thanks for joining us on the Rush Fancast. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Steve. And, and keep up the good work, guys. Love it. Oh, thanks. So, Jared, looks like we have an open invitation to go to Scotland. I'm very excited. I know. I've, I've been waiting for one. <laughs> I, just, I was waiting for years for someone to just invite me to Scotland so I could go. And now we're going. I'm like a vampire. I can only be invited places. So I hope to step into places. So hopefully when COVID is over, they can schedule this and we'll be on our way to Scotland. Yeah. And he said he has a, a you know, an inside track to tickets for us. So that's good. Yes. That is very cool. And, <laughs> and we want to mention that this is all for charity again. And it's a great thing that Steve's doing. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's why, you know, Rush and and their organization is involved in it because it's all for charity. We're just a money-making venture. They might not get all the cool stuff that they do. So again, the release date of the album, Tribute Song for Neil Volume 1 is September 12th. They're going to have an online event on Facebook 
on Saturday. Search for RushFest Scotland, like their page, and join them for the event. Yes, and September 12th, of course, is Neil's birthday. Right. It would have been Neil's 68th birthday. This is all happening at 7 o'clock UK time, 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. So that's the time to join Facebook. They're going to do a playthrough of the whole album, videos from each band. And Jared, I believe you have the website to get the record. Yeah, you can order the vinyl, uh, the CD, get a download. Uh, and if you get the vinyl and the CD, you get a free download at rushfestscotland.co.uk. Awesome. It's all for a great cause. We thank Steve so much for joining us. That was great. It was. And what a nice guy, too. Yeah, he's a nice guy. We only have nice guys on this show and girls. I was going to say, were you expecting, <laughs> expecting something else? No, I mean, <laughs> all Rush fans are just nice people. It's the craziest thing. The ones we meet so far, yeah. <laughs> Somewhere there's going to be one Rush fan who just walks up to us and punches us in the face. Yes. We have a great set of guests next week. We're having three very cool Rush fans on the show. Little teaser. Mm. So join us next week, our secret guest. Jared, I hope you have a quote for me. I do, and it's from A Farewell to Kings, which I believe Steve said was his favorite album. Because it was recorded nearby his home. That's right. And it is, when they turn the pages of history, when these days have passed long ago, will they read of us with sadness for the seeds that we let grow? Nice. Very nice. And we leave you with the sounds of David King again, closer to the Dave. Jer, take care. All right, you too, Steve. <laughs>